What's up, guys? What's going on? I'm Paul. This is Pauline Theology's Daily Devo with Trust in Jesus Ministries. And we're on Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. We talked how we're about to get in some crazy stuff, some different things, uh, some... Uh, this is this is a passage, probably one of the most difficult linguistic passages, uh, also difficult theologically, um, difficult exegetically. This is um, quite quite a passage on how to understand what's going on and uh, what it means for us as we read it. So if you haven't checked it out, six, one through four, then go ahead and read it, see what it has to say, then come back. We'll answer the four questions if you've already read it. Let's let's see what we can what, what we can find from this passage, and then most importantly, how we can um, apply it to our lives, because that's the the point of scripture is to to know God for Him to reveal Himself through His Word. And so we're going to do that, and then we're going to see what it says about us as it reveals God. It will also reveal who we are as humans, as Christians, and then finally how we can apply these to our lives. So I think that's what we're going to do here, but don't worry, we're going to dive into some of this stuff. And if you have any more questions about what it all means or how it uh, applies or, or what more you can find or resources on how to understand a little bit more of this, man, just let me know and, and I'll share them with you, man. But I'll go through it and see. Uh, we'll see what we can find from here from now. We're going to go through six, one through four. And uh, it says that uh, it began, uh, it was a time when it said it came to pass that men began to increase upon the world. Uh, upon the face of the land, and uh, it says sons were were born to them, or and uh, uh, daughters uh, uh, bore children. So it says an increase in the land, and uh, daughters bore children. And then it says, and the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were beautiful, and he took them as wives from all that they chose. And then it says, uh, and the Lord said, His spirit when I strive with a man or contend with a man forever for he is also flesh and the days will be a hundred and twenty years this is nephilim lived in at this time in those days and also after him it says uh the sons of uh of the sons of god uh, came into the daughters of man and they had children with them and they were great men uh, uh or they were great warriors or which uh, were from old, men of renown. And then it says that the Lord's, oh, I'm sorry, that's verse five. We were on one through four, my bad guys. But yeah, so that's what we got here. It says that the daughters of, um, uh, the sons of God and the daughters of men mated, and then so they had children. It also says that the the spirit of God will not strive or be with or continue or remain with, man any longer for he is just flesh also says that uh, his days will be 120 years and it says nephilim we got the nephilim in the land like what is this um and then we also have that they bore children they were um great warriors or, or great people men of renown um and so what does this mean well, let's start first off from the beginning. We'll deal with each as we go. The first is the sons of God. Well, um, well, first off, let's start at the very beginning where it says that men begin to increase in the land. So they've been doing their job, right? God called them to um, increase land, fill it, multiply, grow. They've been doing their job. They've been doing what God has called them to do. 
in that sense. But now we find that there's something else going on. It says the sons of God and the daughters of man. Well, who are the sons of God and who are the daughters of men? There are a couple of uh, there's a couple of theories or understandings from the scripture that we find that they believe this is. The first one is that they're angels. That's the the oldest idea is that the sons of God are angels, fallen angels, sinful angels that came to the domain of earth. And then the daughters of men, as in contrast to the sons of God, are just um, normal women, just women. And that uh, in this process, that the sons of God um, uh, begin to have children with uh, the daughters of man. And this is essentially established. It's been the oldest one, like I said. It's been established in um, Jewish understanding uh, through books called like First Enoch's. Um, and then, uh, man, I always forget what that other book is. But it's also through another book. If you want to know what it is, I'll put it in the comments. But uh, yeah, and that this idea is that the 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 angels fallen have come and they begin to uh, have sexual relations with the daughters of man, with humankind, and so it's kind of like a, a, a inbreeding, a, a um, um, uh, species, um, different species breeding, or or um, you know different realms of 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 existence, like a a dog um, and a human, you know. And not to say that uh, angels are dogs or humans are dogs or anything like that, but just the, the difference between um, kinds are are being uh, are having sexual relations and and so we know that this is to be evil because right after that there's a consequence that occurs. It says that the um, that his spirit, God's spirit, won't strive with man. So whatever it is between the angels and the humans, if this this is not of God because. He enacts a punishment upon the people. Uh, the second theory is that the sons of God are actually a lineage of uh, kings. Um, we have precedence for that because uh, earlier I told you that what it means to have be an image bearer or a, um, a likeness of God is that we are co-regents, uh, that we are vice regents, excuse me, that we reign over the world as kings and queens. And that God is the 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 uh, reigning King who gives us power over these things, authority over these things, and so you also see in Scripture where it calls uh, David a son of God, or the one who sits on the throne a son of God, or, or uh, also there's precedence where it says in Scripture that these sons of God are, are judges or or rulers and as such. And judges, the book is not like a judge who is one who um, um, like you know, with the gavel, boom, and then discerns laws and stuff. A judge is actually one who watches over and rules over the people. So that's another thing that, that others have seen this idea of sons of God as is ruling class. And then this ruling class is in such a way that they are, um, they're living evil lives. The ruling class is actually often talked about as, uh, the ruling caste of Canaanites or, or the descendants of Cain, and that they are living these evil lives. That's, that's, that's um, destroying the way uh, God's looking at them thinking, this is not the way that I've called the people to live. And then the third one is that the sons of God is Seth's line, the godly line of Seth. And then uh, a slight bit, A, B, A is that the daughters of man are Canaanites the daughters of Cain, 
or they're just uh, normal women, humans, uh, you know, no specific uh, role, no specific um, genealogy. And so it's saying that the, the sons of, of God, which are the Sethites, which are the people who have called upon the name of the Lord, the one we talked about in chapter five and at the end of chapter four, where it says that they have turned to God. And we see them as a godly people that are um, walking by faith as uh, a scene in Enoch. And so when we, we talk about that and they're mixing with these daughters of Cain, it's a mixing of religion. Um, or a, and if it's not just Cain, it's just them going after any kind of women in sinful ways now, because it says that they are uh, going and taking women however they choose. So as to say, polygamy is going on, and they're beginning to uh, sin in that way with lust and desire, rather than following God and all these patterns. And so those are the three major ideas of what that um, what those those sons of God and the daughters of man, what it actually is. And we'll come back to that and talk about it later. But the next thing is not only that, but also um, who are the Nephilim, right? And some say the Nephilim are um, the offspring that have come from the the angels versus the, um, or not versus, but the angels and the, the human women. Uh, I'm not sure that's so. You can't really tell in context because it splits it up. Boom. But um, I do know that they do have children because after that, it says that their offspring were uh, warriors, great warriors, men of renown. So they have like uh, wh whoever these children are, regardless if they're angels and humans breeding together or if it's just the sons and daughters of Seth and, and, and the God line of Seth and the, the ungodly line of Cain or just regular women, that these warriors were renowned. And the renownness of what they are is is evil or, or wicked. It's the destruction of of people and murderous and um, um and just a very, very destructive lifestyle in which they lived. And we see that because in, it talks about the Nephilim in Deuteronomy, uh, I believe it's Deuteronomy. It's in Deuteronomy or num Numbers. That's what it is. Numbers. Whenever the people go to spy out the land and they see them, they say the Nephilim. They're giants, huge people of warriors who are just beyond compare in the way in which they handle the bow or the sword. And so they're just uh, murderous people. And so, um, yeah, that's the idea that we're getting when we get men of renown. Uh, it's also the idea that comes through the, the book, a subtle way that the author is talking about the name of God versus the name that men want to see for themselves. It also compares it to the way that, that uh, they, they uh, see these, these men who want to make a name for themselves. And the name that they make for themselves is contrary to the name that Yahweh uh, desires because he is the one to make a name as, as Eve saw and wanted to know and have a part of that knowledge to make a name for herself, as well as in the future, when we see that there's going to be a, a name being tried to be made as, uh, they build the, the tower up to the heavens is this name that, and then we'll also see in the, as we get into Exodus that now the name is going to be put on Yahweh, the name. 
And so uh, building a name for themselves in this sense seems to be a bad thing. And then also we have one more other one. Woo. It's uh, uh, the idea of 120 years that God's um, will not strive with man. There's two main ideas for this one as well. One is, um, oh, I, I messed up. I'm sorry. The Nephilim, I have to go back to, could just be contemporaries of the people at that time and not their children. So they just lived at that time and they were of evil. And, and we see that because also it follows the, the punishment that God enacts on the people. Sorry for skipping on that. But now let's go to the um, punishment that he says that his spirit will not strive with man or will not contend with man or will not continue with man. And so with that is the idea of two specific things. Well, what does it mean to abide or dwell? Uh, the, the word is uh, yadon. And so this yadon has a, a bunch of nuances, and it's only used a couple of times in the entire Old Testament. And so the entire uh, Tanakh. And so it's a, a hard word to understand what its actual meaning is. And so oftentimes they say strive, uh, continue, or abide with uh, man. And, and what does it mean that his spirit won't abide with him? Is it that uh, because we've seen that these people have lived for 600 to 900 years, and then there's a stark drop off after the flood. There's only a few people that live past 100 to 120 years. And so is it saying that God has taken his spirit from them so that they may no longer enjoy the longevity of life that they've had? Or is it the other idea that uh, because of the sin that it's overwhelmingly impacting the world right now that God sees, which we'll see in chapter verse five is. And then we've also seen just in the idea of these, these uh, sons of God, if it's the angels mating with the daughters of men, or if it's the, um, the, the connection of the godly line of Seth with the ungodly line of Cain, mixing this worship and beginning to sin in that way. Uh, we see that, uh, that, that, God has had enough that he is not going to sustain this because we find that the flood is coming, coming next and that he is not going to allow this to continue. And so he's giving a period of grace, 120 years of grace before he brings the flood for destruction. So those are th three main things that are troubling with this passage. It's difficult to understand and know, but I wanted to give you the whole outlook of what all those things are. But in hearing that and knowing that, man, I would like to say that we have to come to see what it is that the author wants us to know about God, regardless of how we interpret or understand the actions that are happening in this scene right now. What we know is that uh, God is gracious uh, for if it is, in fact, that he gives grace for 120 years for Noah to preach the gospel, as we're going to see that he does and that he is, then he gives grace to be able to do that. Another thing I think that we need to see is the justice of God, is that even if it uh, is a grace period, man, we talked about law and gospel, but uh, even if it is a grace period, it's still a judgment that is going to happen, that God has called into judgment the people of this world. He says, because of the actions that they've committed, then this has happened, and it's just, because God is just. And then... 
next we also see that he's he's unique and holy and the idea about this is because of um the way in which we see other uh um stories or tales or myths of the flood and how these other myths and these tales of the flood is because God is annoyed. So he's like, I'm going to destroy everybody, whatever God it is. And then it's like, or uh, whatever it is, it's just they're tired of the people or hate the people, the human beings. Um, but it's never about righteousness. It's never about um, the fact that God does not desire evil to populate his world. And so, he is unique in the fact that um, it is about his righteousness that we find this sin, this uh, um, this this uh, um, punishment come upon people. But also, he's holy. The men of renown, the people of uh, of, of great name, of of warriors, all of these people in these other uh, religions or stories of the flood are often demigods, half god, half man. But we see here that this is not the case because God says his spirit is going not to strive with man and they're going to fall all to the flood. And so it is a stark contrast or a separation between the God that uh, the Hebrews serve, that we serve, and then all the gods that uh, are in these tales or these myths or these stories of the flood. So God is a holy God, that he is the only one like him. There is no other that is God. What's to say about man is that when we trust, we transgress, that we break the law that God has set before him. Whatever laws he has set here and placed upon them, they have been breaking them so much so that God has to deal with it. So man transgress law, but also man is weak and we fall to sin. It says, man, that not only is it the fact that God is going to take his spirit from him, it says, he says something like, because he is only flesh or he is flesh. And it's an understanding of the fall. And ever since the fall, ever since the, the sin of Adam, it's that we cannot overcome the sin. And this also makes sense to make the idea that this um this this godly line of Seth and then the the uh sin that comes about as they begin to marry these women of uh, of of Cain. Because when we talk about flesh, it's saying that this godly line of flesh whom we're seeking to know God, ultimately they fall. Ultimately they sin. Ultimately they transgress the covenant. And so I think that might be one illusion or one way in which we can see that this might be the godly line of Seth rather than it is angels. Though tradition does hold with the Jewish community that these were angels that made it with human beings. How can we apply these truths to our lives, man? Well, first off, man, trust in God's grace. Trust in God's character that he shows grace. Because we all fall. Even even uh, to me, if it is the godly line of Seth, then even as Christians, we fall and we fail in our own sin. Our desires overtake us and we do not uh, seek Christ in all things. And so Recognize God gives grace. God has space for grace for you. And that may be it right now that you need to hear. You may not need to want to hear or even understand all the stuff that we talked about today because it is very difficult stuff, man. It's it's, it's, uh, stuff that's fascinating, definitely. But maybe today all you need to hear is that even in Christ, when you fail, God has grace for you. That he has grace 
for you and trust that grace. And then draw close to him. Hey, I appreciate you guys for listening. And uh, this was a bit of a long one. I'm sorry. There's a lot to explain. And uh, I didn't even go into even a little bit of the understanding. So um, if you have any questions, man, let me know. And I'll try and answer them in the chat. All right, guys. I thank you for listening. And I will see you in the next episode.